Well, welcome to uh, what is often referred to as Holy Week. It's a reminder that the eight days in the life of Jesus that changed the world and changed us forever. Palm Sunday, the day Jesus came into Jerusalem, that's uh, represented by this Sunday, uh, leading to a uh, good Friday. Jesus arrested, beaten, humiliated, hung on a cross like a criminal and, and died there. Buried, but on Easter, Easter morning, next Sunday, rising from the grave. Praise his name forever. Uh, I have to admit, uh, when I was a kid, I didn't really understand the phrase Good Friday. I mean, what could be so good about a day that Jesus was arrested and deprived of water and sleep for 24 hours and he's beaten and tortured and they put crown of thorns on his head and they scourge him with 39 strikes. They crucify him. They murder him. So what, what is so good about Good Friday? It wasn't good for Jesus, but I, I didn't understand the benefits of what Jesus Christ was doing on the cross, what he was doing, what he was doing for you, what he was doing for me. Uh, the problem is I didn't understand the benefits that Good Friday, such good news to us, not to him, but to us. So today we're talking about the cross. Jesus paid it all for you. Uh, there's an outline for you. Uh, you'll see scripture on there. You'll see the scripture on the screen as well uh, that we can look at together. The Bible says... In Hebrews 12, um, it says that he did it all for you. So right at the top of the message notes, uh, Hebrews 12, 2 in the Bible says, We must keep our eyes on Jesus, who leads us and makes our faith complete. He endured the shame of being nailed to a cross because he knew that later on he would be glad that he did. Why in the world would Jesus be glad for going through all the suffering and pain and torment and torture and death and uh, the humiliation? Because all the benefits that would bring to you and that it would bring to me. I, I read an article a few weeks ago and it was describing people in America who had inherited a big fortune but they were still living in poverty because nobody had decided to tell them what they had inherited. I mean, imagine that, right? All of a sudden, you inherited all of these assets and money, and you didn't have anybody tell you that you had inherited, and you go through your life living at a level less than you were intended to live. Or just suppose that you had an incurable terminal disease, and somebody invented a cure, but they forgot to tell you. So you would die arbitrarily, unnecessarily, sooner than you normally would. You see, if you don't know the benefits of the cross, if you don't know the benefits of what Christ came to do, you're going to miss them. You're going to miss all the benefits that God intended for you in your life. I even I, Sometimes I'm preaching a message like today because many times we think we know it, we say it, but we're maybe not living at the level that Christ intended for us. For us. You ever heard the term um, death benefits? 
Yep, that's, your, that's in your insurance plan, right? So, uh, you know, it's, it says that when I die or when Kim dies, that our kids or even our grandkids would be open to a certain amount of money. That's called a death benefit. And it's called a death benefit because you can only get it after a death. So what we're doing today is taking a look at the death benefits that you and I gain through Jesus Christ dying on the cross. Because if you don't know the benefits, you certainly can't enjoy them. Jesus paid for these benefits with his life. And so you ought to go ahead and collect them because they've already been paid for. Now, as we go through the scriptures here, if you look in the Bible, man, there's just so many things about benefits of Jesus dying on the cross. But I just want, I just want to give us three. Three things that we can look at. You can follow on your outline some places that we'll fill in. Um, you know, I'll just give them to you right away. One of the benefits is forgiveness. Second benefit is healing. And the third benefit is freedom. Forgiveness, healing, and freedom. So we'll, we'll kind of fill in those blanks as we go. Now, what I, what I want to say to you is that some of what you're going to hear today, you might say, oh, I knew that. I knew that. You know, we, have, we ought to get over that. This is some incredible news that we are talking about of what God has done for us. And not only is it amazing for you, but it's amazing for you to know it so that you can tell others in your life the benefits of what Christ has done for all of us. So let's get to it. Number one, uh, if you want to write this down, the first death benefit is incredible and complete forgiveness of everything I've ever done wrong. How could that not be exciting, right? That is incredible. Forgiveness of everything I've ever done wrong. I mean, if there's ever such a... I mean, I know there's a heaven. But even if there wasn't a heaven, that'd be a pretty great benefit, wouldn't it? A life with a clear conscience and knowing that you're not carrying around guilt and shame and regret and remorse all your life. You know, God doesn't want you to live that way. He doesn't want you walking around guilty and filled with resentment and remorse. I mean, one of the things Jesus Christ came to do that he did on the cross was forgiveness of everything I've ever done wrong. Incredible what he's done for us. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says in Colossians 2.14, God wiped out the charges and canceled the record of all the times we disobeyed God's commandments. Now, come on. That could be a pretty long list, couldn't it? That could be a long list. Jesus took our guilt on his own body and, read that, you see it? Nailed it to the cross. Nailed it to the cross. So he's not just nailed to the cross, hands, feet, but our sin, all that we have done is nailed to the cross with him. I mean, can you imagine getting a call this afternoon? And they say, Mr. So-and-so or Miss or Mrs., somebody has decided to show you grace and has canceled every debt that you have. That'd be a happy dance, wouldn't it, for sure? <laughs> yeah, you'd be celebrating because that's what Jesus Christ did for you. He paid the debt that you couldn't pay. He paid for everything that you've done wrong, every mistake, every sin, every weakness, everything that you've done, every word, every thought, every action. And he has come and given us this incredible and complete forgiveness of everything we've ever done. Wow. Ephesians 1.7. This is in the 
Amplified Bible. It says, in him, referring to Jesus Christ, we have redemption. That is our deliverance and salvation through his blood, which he paid the penalty for our sin and resulted in the forgiveness and complete pardon of our sin in accordance with the riches of his grace. Now, there's two words there I want us to focus on. First is the word redemption. Say redemption. And the second word is the word grace. Say grace. So redemption and grace. Now, redemption is really fundamental to the New Testament. It is the announcement that Jesus is the fulfillment from God of the Messiah, the coming of hope and the long-awaited redemption for mankind. See, deliverance for us is from a state of being separated from God, and now we've been reconciled to God through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So in, in the New Testament, redemption requires a, a price, like something has to be paid. And the problem is that the ransom that has to be paid is something that is moral, not material. You know, whenever I think about redemption, I think when I was a kid, my mother worked at this little grocery store and they had uh, these books of greenback stamps. I know that makes me feel like old. You too, right? Uh, but that idea of redemption, uh, even in Kid Zone, they have, a, they have an area that they call the redemption center. Uh, that's when you earn a certain amount and you can get something there. But redemption for us is realizing that the only way that we're going to experience atonement and salvation in Christ is through the death of Christ that brings us freedom. Our only shot it's Jesus, right? So you might think, well, I'll just try to be as good as I can. It's not enough. I'll be nice to most people. It's not enough. Oh, you don't know where I grew up and the kind of, or, you know, who I knew and who I know. And it's all about your relationship with Jesus. It's your only shot. Redemption. Then grace. Grace is like an essential part of God's character. Grace is closely related to God's kindness, mercy, and love. Uh, God's grace can be defined as like God's favor toward people who are unworthy. Or God's kindness on those who are undeserving. In his grace, God is willing to forgive us and to bless us abundantly. I mean, in, sp in spite of the fact that we don't deserve to be treated the way that God is treating us. Amen. We don't deserve to be treated so generously. G-R-A-C-E is grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. Let me give you one other idea. I mean, what if you uh, committed a crime that was so terrible that they were going to put you in prison for life with no possibility of parole? You think... I'm never going to get out. But just before, the day before you're to go into prison for this life sentence, somebody walks up to you and says, you know, I love you. And I'm going to take your place and I'm going to serve this sentence for you. Woo. That's what Jesus did for you. Grace is like a gift. It, it's not something you can earn. You can never deserve it. You can't bargain for it. You can't bribe God for it. You can't be good enough for it. Grace is when God gives you what you need, not what you deserve. If I got what I deserved, 
I wouldn't be standing here. Pretty shame. You got what you deserved, you'd not be sitting there. Everything that God has done in your life is because of grace. The next verse, Romans 4.25, says, Jesus was handed over to die because of our sins. And he was raised up from the dead to make us right with God. That sounds like death benefits, doesn't it? Just what he's provided for us. Notice, he dies on the cross not for his sin because he didn't have any. He's the son of God. He's perfect. He never sinned. So why is he dying? He's not dying for his sins. He's dying for yours and for mine. The first benefit that I accept what Jesus did on the cross is I get forgiveness of everything I've ever done wrong. Woohoo! Praise God. What a word. That's not all. Maybe, maybe, maybe you heard that one, but I'm trying to get you a little excited about it to be a reminder uh, to you. There's a second thing that happens on the cross. Number two, I get the deep healing power of Jesus in my life. The deep healing power of Jesus in my life. Now, I don't know if you realize this or not, but all we all need healing in different areas of our life. Every person sitting here, wherever you're watching today, we all need healing. Now, I'm not just talking about physical healing because that's not your deepest wound. The deepest wounds are in your life where nobody can see them. You know, we can see a handicap, we can see a defect, we can see a physical problem, we can see a back that's out or a leg that's not right. You know, we can see people that are having some difficulties with vision to the point that they wear glasses. But the deepest wounds in your life are hidden. Nobody sees them, but God sees them. He sent Jesus not only to forgive your sins, but to heal your deepest wounds. We'll spend a little time talking about that. 1 Peter 2.24. 1 Peter 2.24 uh, tells us, Jesus personally took our sins in his body on the cross so we could die to the grip of sin in our life and be free to live in the right way. You are healed by his wounds. Do you know that? You are healed by his wounds. All of you, you are healed by his wounds. Praise his name. So what, in the, what, what does that even mean? I mean, Jesus died not just to forgive your sins, not just to save you and to allow you to go to heaven. Jesus died to heal you. I didn't say that. The Bible said it. Actually, Peter here in 1 Peter is uh, quoting a guy from the Old Testament. There's this prophet. His name is Isaiah. He lived 700 years before Christ. And he's predicting through the Spirit of God what would happen when the Savior came. What would happen when the Messiah showed up on the earth. And so 700 years earlier, Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, But he talking about Jesus. He was pierced for our transgressions. He, the punishment that was brought, peace was on him, and by his wounds 
we are healed. There it is again. You know what that's called? That's called um, redemptive suffering. Redemptive suffering means that somebody else suffers for another person. That though they didn't deserve it, they suffer on their behalf. When somebody takes your pain, when somebody steps in on your behalf. And exhibit A of redemptive suffering is Jesus Christ on the cross. He was crushed for your sins. He was beaten to give you peace. He was whipped so we could be healed. Think about it. I mean, when God made the world, you know this, right? When God made the world, there wasn't any suffering in it. There was no sickness. There was no sorrow in the world. There wasn't death in the world. It was called the Garden of Eden, right? Perfect paradise. Why was it a perfect paradise? Because there was no sin in it. We hadn't yet rebelled against God. It was a perfect environment, no sin, no sorrow, no suffering, no sadness, no sickness. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? When we rebelled and we thumbed our nose at God and every one of us has done that and said, I'm going to be my God. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do what I think is best. I know better. I know what will make me happy more than what God knows. And I'm going to do what I want to do. As a result of that, the whole system of the world is broken. Everything is broken on this planet. Nothing on this planet works perfectly. How was your day yesterday? Probably not perfect. Gets all messed up. I mean, the economy's broken. The weather's broken. The politics, all the politicians, it's all broken. Uh, I, mean, I don't know if you noticed this this morning, but your body's broken. Did you feel it when you got up? Mm-hmm. We all got them aches and pains. Relationships are broken. That's an obvious one. Dreams get broken. Hearts get broken. Have you ever said that? Uh, I'm just heartbroken over that. Our minds are broken with mental illness and stress and strife and all kinds of pressure that we deal with. Our finances can be broken. Uh, every different area is a part of fallen mankind. That simply means nothing works anymore. And the Bible says, you ready? That Jesus, God's son, came to earth to start restoring what was broken. He doesn't just restore a broken relationship between you and the Father. He wants to restore everything in all creation. He wants to restore broken relationships. He wants to restore broken minds, broken hearts, broken bodies. He cares about all of that. And it's not going to be completed until he returns one day. But that healing is coming. Do you know that healing was such an important, prominent part of Jesus' walk on the earth? I mean, you don't have to read very far in the Bible, in the Gospels, to read about Jesus healing people one after another, right? I mean, the, the next verse on the outline, Matthew 9, 35, says, Jesus went through all the cities and towns, excuse the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and hear this, healing every disease and sickness. You know, that's why there's not more stories in the Bible about healing, because there was not enough pages to write it all down. He just went from town to town. He just healed them all. Why? Do you know that about one-third of what Jesus does in the Bible is health care? You like that? 
health care. Why? Because God doesn't just care about your soul and getting to heaven. God cares about your mind and your body and your soul. Uh, so he does preaching. You know what preaching is intended to do? To touch your soul. But Jesus also teaches because he has things that he wants you to have in your mind to educate us. And he does healing, which is why he cares about our health. You know, Christianity is a preaching, teaching, healing faith. That's what we're about. You can go to any country in the world. And you know, the first schools in that country, the first hospitals started there were by Christian missionaries. Why? Because we have a teaching, preaching, and healing faith. Most of the time, maybe we don't realize it, but hospitals were not started by governments. Hospitals were started by God's people. God says, I don't just care about your soul. Certainly, I care about your soul, but I care about you, your health, your wholeness, your completeness. I want you to be healed. Now, we, we know that not everything is healed on this earth right now, right? Haven't, haven't you met some really godly people, men and women who serve God so faithfully that live their whole life with some kind of chronic pain? See, not every prayer gets answered on this planet. We know that. I prayed for some people, and they, they were healed. I prayed for some people, and they got healed on the spot, right where we were. Sometimes we pray for people, and God heals them over a period of time, maybe through a surgery or some kind of treatment. And sometimes we pray for people, and they die. You know, see, the Bible says over and over again, my job is to ask his job is to manage the healing. That's how that's it. And he has until eternity to get that promise fulfilled. I mean, one day when you get to heaven, everybody's body's going to be brand new and healed. I'm one of the churches I pastored, um, Tim. Tim was in his 20s, came to church, um, married this sweet little young girl, and uh, now Tim got saved. I mean, Tim really got saved. So I was discipling him, and uh, they were just in the early days of their marriage, and one day Kim came by, Tim came by my office, and he said, uh, I got really bad news. I got this diagnosis. I've uh, been having a few problems, went to the doctor, and I have this kind of ravenous cancer. So uh, you know what we did, right? We started praying. Started praying for his healing, praying for these treatments he was involved in. Uh, we were very involved with Tim and his wife, and it just got worse. Pretty soon, we were at the hospital, and Tim wasn't going to make it. We prayed. We had groups of people praying there, and that last day, I was in the room, and I'm with him and this little sweet wife. And we prayed together and sang and read scripture and testified together. But in a little while, he, uh, he lost his life. So I'm standing there with her. And she looks over at me, tears, both of us crying. She looked right over at me and said, Pastor, Tim just got his healing. <laughs> wow. 
Isn't that the truth? It just happened. See, not everybody and not everything is going to get healed right now, but it will be. Ultimately, it will be. In the meantime, God helps us with our weaknesses. God doesn't always heal, but he always gives us his presence. The Bible says in Luke 5, 15, the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Now, let me ask you a question, personal question. Where do you need healing? This, this Easter season, where do you need healing? I mean, some of you need emotional healing. Some of you got hurts. Some of you got memories that eat you up, and you just can't let go of it. And whenever you think about it over and over in your mind, to have, you have this memory that hurt. You know, you have emotions that are damaged by parents or people in your life or circumstances that have happened. You know, you get damaged emotions and you need healing from those, that emotional, you need that emotional healing. You know, maybe you need uh, financial healing. Maybe you made some bad decisions financially or you got yourself in a bunch of pressure and difficulty. Sometimes you need healing financially. Some of us need healing uh, relationally. Relational healing and you got conflicts with this one and that one, maybe in your marriage or with your children and you got broken relationships and you got damaged relationships and you need healing in those relationships, in that marriage. Or you need healing in a friendship or you need healing with somebody in your past. You know, sometimes people need mental healing. You know, the truth is, do you get thoughts in your head that scare you? Compulsions or problems. And you sometimes think, am I going crazy? Don't raise your hand on that one. <laughs> but don't you feel that sometimes? Sometimes you're thinking stuff that just, just scares you. And you feel like you have emotional and mental and spiritual, certainly. We all need spiritual healing, physical healing. Your body's broken. It's not working right. It's, I mean, most of all, we need spiritual healing. The healing between our relationship with us and God. I mean, if you're watching this morning and you're afraid of God and you're running away from God, don't be afraid of Him. He has your very best in mind. He wants to bring you healing, all of you in this room as well. God wants to give us spiritual healing. So the thing is, and I've discovered this as you know, I've been a pastor for like 35 years. So I've counseled, I started to say hundreds, but I'm sure thousands of people. And what I realize, first of all, nothing shocks me anymore. No surprises. I heard it all. But what I've discovered is that there's this need for healing, spiritual healing, emotional healing, physical healing. When God brings about the results of the cross upon us, that's when the healing begins to happen. I say to people sometimes, you know, I think they're wondering what I'm up to, all this advice I'm giving them from Scripture and from uh, all this emotions and relationships. You know, what do you expect from the pastor? That's what he's going to talk to you about. Is spiritual healing as a result of what Jesus did on the cross. You know, I think that healthiest emotion that we can have is to have an attitude of gratitude in us, around us, of what is happening, that God has come and is willing to help us, that we can be thankful. You know, we get devastated. The most detrimental emotion in your life is bitterness. And I want to tell you, even the godliest people can struggle with bitterness and resentment over things that happen in our life. We don't like everything that's going on, right? 
But if we hold a grudge, if we're holding on to that hurt, we're holding that against God. You know, the only person that you're hurting when that you hold that stuff inside yourself is you. I mean, some of you have been hurt by somebody 10 years ago. Are you still letting that hurt you? Or maybe it was just a, uh, a, a year ago or whenever it was taking place. I mean, every time you remember it, it hurts you again. I mean, really? It hurts you. You know what? Those people cannot hurt you anymore unless you let them. I mean, you're, you're saying, well, they don't deserve to be forgiven. Well, neither do you. Me either. Forgiveness is not about being fair. Forgiveness is about doing the right thing and you forgive them because they, not because they deserve it. You forgive them because you don't want to be burdened with it the rest of your life. I mean, as long as you're holding on to that hurt, somebody said one time, it's like drinking poison and hoping somebody else dies. You're worrying about somebody else. You're frustrated. Your stomach's churning, you got ulcers, you got headaches, you got back aches, you got all these problems. They're out having steak for lunch and you just worried about everything. They're not even thinking about you. So who's your hurt and your anger hurting? Nobody but you. You need emotional healing. Second church I pastored, uh, had a friend there, her name was Jessie. Somewhere along the line, um, Jessie was an older lady and she lost sight in one of her eyes. One day, we were having a service, and we're, I'm preaching about stuff just like this, about letting go of bitterness and resentment and forgiving people in our life. And Jesse tells me later, you know, Pastor, I was sitting there, right there in the sanctuary, in the quietness at that moment, and I said, God, you have really forgiven me. You let me off the hook about everything I've done wrong. You've totally forgiven me I'm going to forgive, and she, did, she said a name. He's hurt me, but I'm not going to let that hurt me anymore. I'm going to let that go. Then she cries, and she says, Pastor, in the quietness of that moment, I got my sight back in that blind eye. No fancy prayers. No healing evangelist, no emotional moment. Just in the quietness of that moment, her eyesight came back. The moment that she was forgiving. I don't know how many times that's happened, but I can give you multiple stories like that. See, you don't know what God wants to do in your life. You don't know what God wants to bring about as transformation in your life. But he tells you, what kind of healing do you need? On the cross, Jesus didn't just pay for, let, pay for your sins and forgive you. He also took your suffering, your sorrow, your sickness. Did, did you know that? That's a wow. That's incredible that on the cross, he would offer you deep, personal healing. Praise God. Man, we ought to be having like a party in here, dude. Here's the third thing. God wants to give you uh, the death benefits from Jesus Christ. He died for you, gave you incredible and complete forgiveness, deep personal healing, and number three, real, truly real freedom. Write this down. We get the power to break free from controlling forces. We get the power to break free from controlling forces. Now, this is a big one, right? 
I, I mean, I want you to understand that in your life, you get the power from the cross to break free from the things that take control over you. The truth is, we don't even realize how much we're controlled by other things and other people. Happens all the time. So we let all kinds of things control. We let uh, moods control us. Uh, we let all kinds of, however, you know, you can, have, you can be in a bad mood from eating a bad burrito. You know that? <laughs> I, I was noticing this this week. Unfortunately, I have to be in the group. But I noticed uh, how the difficulty people are having because 18 and 19-year-olds can't win a basketball game. <laughs> Just puts you in a terrible mood, right? We let all kinds of things like that control us. Like the approval that we want from other people. That can be controlling in your life. I mean, we do that all the time. The way you walk, the way you talk, the way you act, what you say. Uh, you let the approval of others. And some of you might be waiting on approval from people that are already past. Never going to get that approval from them. We let our past control us. You know, past is past. You, it cannot control you anymore. It's over. Your past is your past. You can learn from the past, but you cannot live in the past. You must not live in the past. You know, we let those fears and those circumstances control us. There are things that you can do with your life if you are not controlled by fears and anxiety. We let memories control us. Bad memories, good memories control us in one way or another. We let culture control us. We let the weather control us. We let the devil control us. We let money uh, control us. Um, what are, you, know, you get your focus on, on money, your family can begin to fall apart. You're not making decisions on the basis of their relationships, but you're making decisions on the basis of money. Sex has such control over people. All kinds of bad relationships simply because we get out of control. We let people who have hurt us control us. So you got two choices. You can be guided by your old nature and your own self-centeredness. Your human nature says, be self-centered, be, self be selfish. You know, when you think about me, 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 me. Or I, 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 I. You know, the middle letter of pride is I. And the middle letter of sin is I. It's all about me. Then you, you got a choice on the other side. God's spirit is in you. And God's spirit is saying, nope, it's not all about you. A lot more than that. There's this constant battle that goes on within us. And so Jesus came and came to deal with your life and to have the power to break free from controlling forces in your life. He does not want you to, he does not want to just forgive your sin. He wants to overcome it and the power of it and the power of those habits in your life. You do all this stuff all the time and you wish you wouldn't and you wish you could, you could do it better. You need greater power. You need God's power, not just willpower. Wow, that's incredible. That's amazing what he has done for us on the cross. Here's the scripture. First of all, I want you to hear it in the NIV, which is the New International Version. It's the one we most commonly use. And then I'm going to read it from another version. Listen to this. We know that our sinful selves were crucified. That means nailed to the cross. We heard that earlier. That our sin was crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power over our lives. 
We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we are set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. Praise his name. Listen to these words. It's just a different translation. He says, could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ. A decisive end. Ooh, I like this. A decisive end to that sin miserable life. No longer captive to sin's demands. What we believe is this. If we get included in Christ's sin-conquering death, we also get included in his life-saving resurrection. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal of the end of death as the end. Never again will death have the last word. When Jesus died, he took down sin with him. And... He, alive, he brings God down with him. Alive, he brings God down to us. From now on, think of it this way. Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue. And you hang on every word. You were dead to sin and alive to God. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did on the cross. Woo! Man, you should go home. You take that home right there, man. You study those scriptures right there. See, I could spend a month explaining that scripture. But I just want to tell you, you can see in the scripture that God wanted you to be set free. Not just by your willpower, but by the power of God working through you that is demonstrated on the cross. Willpower is not enough uh, to overcome. What's he saying? I've got new power. New power to resist bad habits. Calling, we call it the death benefit of the cross. I'm not fighting my own battles. I'm not dealing with my own old nature. God has done something new in me through the power of the cross. I don't have to give in to all that old stuff. I don't really want to give in to sin in my life. God has given me the power to overcome those things that are controlling in my life. You know, a lot of people don't realize that they're a slave to themselves. These two guys, one was a Christian friend, was not a Christian. So the Christian friend is talking to him about freedom, and he says, says to his friend, well, what would you say it means to be free? Oh, he said, oh, I know what that means. That means I'm free to do anything I want to whenever I want to. Really, he said? Well, what if, what if your feelings aren't always correct? He said, oh, my feelings are always right. Okay. So if your feelings are your authority and you always obey them, what are you, uh, what are you telling me is that your feelings are like your God? Well, no, I wouldn't say that. Well, you wouldn't say that, but you're living that way because if you always do what you feel, then your feelings are your God. Do you know you cannot have your feelings as your God? If you do, you become a slave to your own feelings. You are manipulated by desires and wants and desires, uh, drives, and you can't even control that. So what I'm saying is, 
you won't like this, but you know, the, you, you know your biggest problem? It's you. You know my biggest problem? <laughs> Me. It's not our critics. It's not that person you got down the list. That, you know, it's not the people in your little black book that you got. Much. It's not them. It's you. You all right? I love you. But it's the truth. We must accept the benefits of what Jesus Christ did for us. And through his spirit, we get God's power. We get God's word. We get God's promises. We get other people in his family who help us out. And you are not alone anymore. See, here's our memory verse. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, I'll help you memorize this. It's got two sentences. Uh, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Number two, I live the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Each of the, one of those sentences has three parts. I have been crucified with Christ I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. You got that? I am crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Sentence number two, three parts. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's a good old memory verse right there. That'll remind you of what Christ has done. That is incredible. Wow. I mean, how in the world does that happen? How do I get forgiveness? How do I find this healing? How do I get real freedom, a breakthrough uh, from the things that control me in my life? It happens by faith. Miracles come by faith. I do all this by faith. So three benefits. Now, who, who gets them? Who, who are they available to? Look at the Bible. Acts 10, 35 says, God accepts anyone from any nation or race who worships him and does what is right. What's the right thing to do? To believe in the son that sent for you. The message says it makes no difference who you are or where you're from. Thank God for that, right? If, if you want God and you're ready to do as he says, the door is open. It's an open door. It's an open door for you to realize what he has offered to you. Through the cross. How do you get these benefits? If you want forgiveness, you want healing, you want real freedom, how do you get that? Well, you got to be adopted into God's family. It's like a life insurance policy. Do you know that my life insurance policy is not going to pay to you? It's for my kids. For those that belong in my family, right? When you're in God's family, you get his benefits. These benefits that he provided for you, they're open to everybody, and you've got to be in God's family. So how do you do that? Well, you look, you look at John 1.12. John 1.12 says, to all who believed him, it's talking about Jesus, to all who believed in Jesus and to all who received him, Jesus gave the right to become children of God. Two things there. You notice believe and receive. And you say, well, pastor, good. I believe in Jesus. Well, I'll tell you what, so is the devil. He's not going to heaven. Nope. I mean, you're halfway there. You believe. You know, see, the devil believes that he's real. The devil saw Jesus die on the cross. The devil knows that he was resurrected, but the devil is not going to heaven because he believed in him, but he hasn't received him. 
You done that? Just got a head knowledge about him? Or have you received Christ? You know, I've been, I've been a friend with God for 50 years this year. 50 years. I know him better than I know any of y'all. I talk to him all the time. As a matter of fact, while I've been preaching this right now, I've been talking to him. You know you can do that? Because i got stuff to him to help me with right while we're doing this. Got that, that spiritual connection there. You know, you recognize Acts 3.19. I love this verse. It says, now it's time to change your ways. Turn to face God so he can cleanse you from all your sins and pour out showers of blessing to refresh you. Praise God. Let's stand up. Right in front of you there is a cup of juice there. You can go ahead and get yourself ready, get that top part off, and you got the bread, and then the, the cup of juice that is right there. All right, before, see, let me remind you of this. You are not going to get saved because you drink this cup of juice. You right? You with me? But right now, see what this is, is a response. It's a, it's a recognition that these things that Christ has done for me on the cross has taken place in my life and I'm celebrating it by eating and drinking this bread as a reminder of what he's done, right? So, do you need forgiveness today? You know, it's available. You can forgive yourself. You can forgive somebody else. I don't know if he's going to make your vision better like he did Jesse, but I know that you need to let that go you need to forgive those people. You need to forgive that person. You need to let that go because this is holding you back. Be forgiven. Forgive someone. How about healing? You need healing today? You know, all he asks you to do is ask for it. And then you let him take care of the rest. What kind of healing do you need to do today? He, emotional healing? You got something that's just wearing you out? Things that you're thinking about before you go to sleep at night and when you wake up first thing in the morning. Problems or circumstances or things that you've done. Relationships that are broken. You can find healing in Jesus Christ. I guarantee it. Might not be right here. But ultimately, he's going to heal you. And he might heal you now. If you confess. If you open your heart to him. If you forgive. How about being set free. Wouldn't that be an awesome thing to have walked in here with a bunch of bondage that you've been carrying around for a day or a week or a month or some years? And today's that. Do you know all this stuff that I'm talking about today could happen to you right now where you're standing? Forgiveness, healing, freedom. So we're, we're going to celebrate. We're going to pray and then we're going to eat and drink together in celebration of the benefits of the cross of Jesus Christ. Lord, how we need you. We recognize that there's not a one of us in this room that has got it all perfectly figured out. Maybe there's somebody in the room or watching online today that needs to be forgiven. Everything they've ever done wrong, forgiven, completely set free. Wouldn't it be incredible, God, that today, right now, in this moment, they could find that freedom that they've been so longing and searching for. Lord, would you forgive somebody today that's seeking it, that's hungry for it? Lord, we pray for healing today. Heal our hurts. Heal our heartaches. 
heal our, our bitterness or resentment. Help us to get on the right track. Help us to have that healing of our mind, that healing of our emotions, that healing of a broken relationship. Lord, we can't make anybody do anything, but we can certainly surrender ourselves to you and experience that healing. Praise God. Lord, we long for freedom. You died on the cross so that we could be free, free from all the things that hold us in bondage. Today could be the day. The day could be the absolute day when the, the brokenness, the bondage, we are set free. We praise you together, Lord, and we celebrate you. Wow, thank you for this incredible benefit that you've given to us. In Jesus' name. Would you say, uh, I am forgiven. Okay, you believe that? Probably need to start over. Okay, let's go again, right? I am forgiven. Say, I am healed. I am free. That's why I came. This bread represents the broken body of Jesus Christ. And by eating it, you're saying, I get it. <laughs> I get it. What you did for me, I not only believe it, but I receive it. I'm forgiven. I'm healed. I'm set free. Let's eat this bread in remembrance that Christ died for you and me. This little cup of grape juice is just a, a symbol reminding us of what Christ has done. He gave himself freely for us. He gave his life. And today we celebrate. We eat this and we drink this juice in remembrance that Jesus Christ gave his life for us. Let's, let's drink together. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for being here today. I have a wonderful day. Social distance as you make your way out today. God bless you. Looking forward to Easter together. Have a great Sunday.